Hello, beloveds, and welcome to Christian Emotional Recovery, a podcast for those who are survivors of childhood trauma, emotional neglect, and narcissistic abuse. This podcast is hosted by Rachel Leroy, a college professor and trauma survivor. Many of us spend years trying to heal and don't get anywhere. We don't always target the trauma itself, which is so often what keeps us stuck. This podcast is where faith meets science. Rachel is an emotional healing expert with 20 years of experience applying healing modalities that helped her start making progress after nothing else worked. She'll show you how to do the same. Each week, we'll cover a topic that will show you how to heal trauma for good. Please check out our website and show notes at christianemotionalrecovery.com and join the Facebook community, Trauma Survivors Unite Christian Emotional Recovery. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of Christian Emotional Recovery. And I'm your host, Rachel Leroy, and this is season two, uh, episode 15, season two. And this episode is going to be the first of a two-part series called Somatic Practices for Healing Trauma. And this episode will be Somatic Practices for Healing Trauma, part one, practices you can do on your own. Part one, practices you can do on your own. And the other part of this series will be practices you can do with a professional. Practices you can do with a professional will be part two. So just really quickly, jumping right in, if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, please click on the link below that you can find to this YouTube channel and you can get exclusive content you cannot get on this podcast or anywhere else that is similar to what's on the podcast, but it's more specialized material in terms of healing trauma and healing narcissistic abuse. So check out the YouTube channel. Christian Emotional Recovery is the name. Christian Emotional Recovery on YouTube, and there's a link below in the show notes. Also, please check out the Facebook page if you haven't had a chance to join. There you can go and you can get monthly memes, um, which is a Monday meme every single week that provides encouragement and wisdom. You, We also have um, Feel Good Fridays, and we also have where we just provide community and support and offer resources to one another. I post all of the content for the YouTube channel and the podcast in the Facebook page. So click and subscribe to that as well. It's called Trauma Survivors Unite Christian Emotional Recovery. So let's go ahead and jump right in. I like to get right to the point as much as possible. This episode includes somatic therapies, somatic practices for healing trauma, And I'm going to go over five specific ones, but first let's talk about, you may wonder, what is a somatic therapy? What is a somatic technique or practice? That's a very good question. And please note also that this episode is heavily based on articles and research because this is a very scientific and a very researched area. So note that I'm not just making this up. This is based on a lot of research, both anecdotal and scientific research of somatic healing and somatic therapies. So basically, somatic 
healing and somatic therapies are taking the trauma. I say this in a lot of other podcasts, but trauma is not something that you can just talk your way out of. You can't just think your way out of trauma. And that's why if you spent years and years trying to heal your emotional pain and it hasn't worked, it's probably because you have trauma stuck in your body. And the key to healing trauma is not through just mind work that can help. It can help. And I think it's even a necessary part of healing trauma, but it's not the most important part. And you're missing a very important ingredient, probably the most important ingredient, if that's all you're doing. You need to heal trauma from the body. And that's what somatic therapy is. It's body work. Somatic therapy is healing the trauma in your neural network and in your brain and in your tissues and your cells and your organs where your body remembers that pain and where your body automatically responds with the stress fight or flight response in situations where it might not otherwise if that trauma were healed. And so somatic therapy is one of the most powerful ways to heal trauma, to push it up through your neural network, some people would call it your chakras, and out of your nervous system so it can finally express itself. It's literally trauma that hasn't had anywhere to go. It's literally stress that hasn't had a place to express itself in your body and let it come through. And so once you're able to do some somatic therapy, you're able to release a lot of that trauma, either directly or indirectly from your body. And so I'm going to look at four articles in this in this podcast today. And one of them is called Four Somatic Therapy Exercises for Healing Trauma in Psych Central, and it's by Susan Abar. The other one is 10 Somatic Interventions Explained, and that's in a website called Integrative Psychotherapy, and the article is by Esther Goldstein. Another article is How Somatic Experiencing Can Help You Process Trauma in Healthline by Crystal Raypole. I've used a lot of her articles before. And the other one is Somatic Experiencing Therapy, 10 Exercises and Examples, and that is by Daniela Ramirez. Duran, PhD, and that's in Positive Psychology, a website called Positive Psychology. And so I wanted to just jump right in and talk about um, what is somatic therapy? Where did it come from? Because I think in order to know what you're doing um, with discernment, I don't think there's any problems with somatic therapy for most Christians because it's body work. But I did want you to know where it came from so you know what it is. It was a concept that was originally created by Dr. Peter Levine in the 1970s. And um, somatic work has sort of taken a life of its own beyond that. But Peter Levine is still alive and well and doing work today in this field. And he's constantly making new stuff. And I adore Peter Levine. I love his work. He's the real thing. You can tell he's compassionate. He's knowledgeable. He's got two PhDs, but he's still the most down-to-earth guy in the whole world. He's, you know, he's an elderly gentleman. He's on up there in years and he is still creating the most amazing work. But you can just see his compassion in the videos that he creates. But he saw people um, not getting the, the healing and the relief that they needed in talk therapy, which was the main kind of therapy in the 70s, psychotherapy. And so he came up with some this this 
of somatic experiencing the first concepts of it in the 70s. And so that was one of the first breakthroughs in trauma healing therapy. And because, you know, even when a lot of us were kids, we remember maybe hearing something about PTSD, maybe mainly war veterans, and they were basically told, learn to live with it. And there are a few things that might help, but there really wasn't a lot of work that could really truly heal trauma. And at the time, there were a lot of experts that didn't think trauma could even be healed. And that is absolutely depressing, right? But we now know that it can be healed. And we know that there are constantly new breakthroughs coming through in terms of neuroscience that show us how the brain works and how we can heal trauma through somatic therapies. And new somatic therapies are coming out every day and through other kinds of trauma healing work. So somatic experiencing is Peter Levine's brand of somatic healing, and that's actually trademarked. So I just wanted to give credit where credit was due that these are not my ideas. These are Peter Levine's ideas, and I encourage you to look up his work, his books, his YouTube, um, his courses. I have his course on um, somatic experiencing, one of them, and it is great. It's got so many techniques that are so helpful. And I'm going to go through some of those that are some of his idea and other people's ideas as well today in this podcast episode. But many practitioners have used and adapted Levine's work and come up with their own. And these ideas, like I said, originally came from Levine, who pioneered this work. And so he deserved credit for that. And also there are other pioneers in the field of trauma healing that were coming alongside him at the same time. But his work has been really monumental in the field. So what is somatic therapy? I wanted to read a little bit from the Psych Central article that I mentioned before. What is somatic therapy? So basically, trauma can live in the mind and body, like I said before, and working on releasing these holds may help you heal from a traumatic event. The article, the Psych Central article says healing from trauma while challenging is possible. That's what we're learning now. Somatic therapy may help. If you're working on resolving trauma, reaching out to a mental health professional who specializes in somatic therapy can help you to heal. But if this isn't possible right now, you could also practice a few at-home exercises based on this therapy approach. By tuning into your bodily sensations, you can release traumatic energy. And like I said, this is not a woo-woo concept. It's something that's been backed by science. So it's a scientific concept. And then um, I wanted to read a little section also um, from what are somatic healing therapies from the Positive Psychology article. And that'll tell you a little bit more about exactly what somatic healing is, what somatic therapy is. So here it says somatic experiencing therapy, 10 best exercises and examples. This is the positive psychology resource. And it says, while events like natural disasters, wars, or accidents can be considered traumatic by most people, other events may be traumatic due to people's subjective experience. For example, abuse. I don't think that's subjective, but that's just my opinion. Experiencing a traumatic event can have either a transitory or an ongoing impact on psychological and physical states. Some people can easily overcome the impact of such an event, while others can be deeply affected in their ability to cope with the same situation. This can negatively affect how they perceive their environment and themselves. The brain gets rewired to maladaptive physical and mental responses, and the body gets stuck in a constant stress response. You've probably heard that before, too, the fight or flight. 
Um, Somatic experiencing, which is somatic therapy, can effectively heal people from trauma by using bodily interventions. And so it's basically body work that helps you to release trauma from the body, as I mentioned before. So it says um, exercises that you might do, um, but they explore fundamental aspects of positive psychology, including strengths, values, and self-compassion, and will give you the tools to enhance the well-being of your, well, yourself here. So a little bit more about somatic therapy. How can it help me heal my trauma, and why is it effective? So I'm not just coming up with all these theoretical things that I want you to hear. I want you to I want everything in this podcast to be relevant to you. That's the point. I want it to be practical and applicable and encouraging. And that's important too. So how can it help you heal trauma and why is it effective? Because it has to be effective to help you heal, right? Back to the Psych Central article, can somatic therapy help with tr- help with trauma? In other words, can it help heal trauma? And it says here in the Psych Central article, there are a few therapeutic approaches for healing from trauma. Somatic therapy is a body-focused approach that may be particularly helpful if you have symptoms of chronic stress or PTSD. Somatic therapy, also known as somatic experiencing, was originally developed by Peter Levine in the late 70s. It was conceptualized as an alternative to trauma-focused therapies that were other ones at the time, which, although effective for some people, didn't work for everyone, the traditional approaches at the time. Somatic experiencing may allow you to revisit trauma without recalling specific events and emotions. When you practice these body-focused exercises, you focus on physical sensations instead of thoughts and emotions as you do in talk therapy, which is the more traditional kind, and your fears as you'd do with exposure therapy. So trauma is, quote, when too much happens too soon for the nervous system to process, says Valerie Candela Brower, a licensed professional counselor and certified somatic experiencing practitioner in Southbury, Connecticut. She says it's like eating a big meal and not fully digesting it, but then eating another big meal and then another, she says. And then the body does not digest what has happened, and instead we stuff our feelings, numb out, and deny reality. In some cases, talking about trauma without adequate support or with a therapist that isn't trained in trauma may re-traumatize you, according to her. And somatic work offers the body time and space to complete whatever is needed to do at the time that it didn't get to do. Somatic experiencing also helps you realize if you've been, quote, stuck in fight, flight, or freeze response. This could lead to symptoms of chronic stress in addition to those linked to trauma, the fight, flight, or freeze. And it says one of the main goals of somatic experiencing is to develop a body-mind connection and increase your ability to regulate your emotions. This can help you manage some of the most distressing symptoms. And then it says emerging research suggests that somatic therapy somatic therapy can be effective for people who've experienced trauma. And then it goes into the study. I won't go into that here, but it basically shows that people who have physical symptoms from PTSD and they've made a clear connection there, that doing the somatic experiencing work has helped to lower those physical symptoms, give the person emotional release, and help to heal this person from their trauma. So that's a pretty promising um, discovery that's been done in the last few years. I mean, trauma healing work has made a major amount of progress just in the last 10 years. And it's amazing. It's amazing to be part of that. And it's such a privilege. Praise God for that, right? So 
a little bit more about um, somatic experiencing, somatic experiencing explained in the positive psychology article. Here in the positive psychology article, it says developed by Peter Levine, somatic experiencing, also known as SE, and it's also trademarked, is a body-mind therapy specifically focused on healing trauma by helping clients draw their attention to their bodies. The sensations and experiences explored are described as interoceptive, interoceptive, internal awareness of the body, proprioceptive, proprioceptive, spatial orientation of the body, and kinesthetic, kinesthetic, movements of the body. Um, so there are three different kinds of sensations that are explored in somatic therapy work. And unlike other forms of trauma therapy, SE intentionally avoids directly evoking traumatic memories and therefore does not focus on thoughts and feelings related to traumatic experience. So there is something to be said about going directly into the roots of those experiences and knowing what caused it. And I think that that's part of the healing work. But somatic experiencing is a gentler approach and maybe even a good one to start off with if you haven't done some of that more direct trauma healing work from the memories of those experiences is probably safer and best first to start with a professional, a licensed professional, a coach, a healer, or a therapist, or a psychiatrist who has letters by their name that they know how to work with people who have trauma. And also, it's also better to start with somatic work because it's safer. Now, that's not to say there's one right way, but those are just recommendations. So don't substitute any of my ideas for the advice of a professional, okay? So it also says um, SE, somatic experiencing, approaches these memories using the body as a gateway, exploring them gradually and indirectly by promoting more adequate, safer, and comfortable bodily experiences. And that's by pain and colleagues, um, that quote. Okay, so that's a little bit about somatic experiencing, why it's effective, and how it can help you. So you can connect what is going on in your body to what I'm talking about here and see why it can help you. And then the question is also asked a lot by people, can I do it on my own? Can I do it on my own? I will give you my own perspective, but then I'll also read a little bit from an article or two that gives you an expert's opinion on this as well. I personally think that there's a lot of people out there who just don't have access to therapy and or maybe they haven't found the right therapist and they've been re-traumatized by a therapist and they don't feel safe. I feel very fortunate that I have a wonderful therapist who I couldn't ask for a better therapist. And that's why I say even if it takes you a month or two months to shop around most experts will recommend actually interviewing and seeing three therapists at least before you pick one and ask them questions. Have a list of questions you ask them. If they're not willing to even talk to you on the phone for like five minutes, even if they have to get back to you, if they can't give your you your their undivided attention, um, even if they have to do it later, then that's probably a red flag. You need a therapist who is embodied, who is aware, who is there with you. And, of course, everybody gets distracted and has bad days, but you should be able to pick up on a pattern of attentiveness and giving your full attention and empathy and connection when they help you. Does that make sense? Can you do somatic therapy on your own, though? 
I would say yes, because a lot of people don't have other resources. So I would just say proceed carefully. But if you have the resources to see a professional first, I would encourage you to start there. Tell them some of the stuff you want to do and then go from there. Okay, you're you're not helpless. You can do this stuff on your own. I'm just saying that it can be good to get a professional's expert opinion and advice on this work. Okay, so I'm going to read a little bit from Can You Practice Somatic Experiencing Yourself? And let's see what the Psych Central article has to say about it. So it says, it is highly recommended that you start somatic therapy with the help of a trained therapist. This can help you customize your approach to your specific trauma. That's one reason. Emotions and symptoms. It may also feel safer if any unexpected emotions come up. According to Peter Levine, a therapist is trained and focused on creating a safe space for you. However, when you practice somatic exercises for a long time with a therapist, it's possible to get attached to them and might feel it's the only place you feel totally safe. So you don't, there's a balance there. You don't want to become completely codependent on your therapist, even though, even though at first you may feel more dependent on them, but you should start to wean off of that a little bit. I'm a proponent of doing therapy for life. But there are also people who will say, if you need to stay in therapy for years, you're not getting anywhere and you don't need that. I disagree, but that's just my opinion. You need to pray about that. Talk to God about it. Talk to your therapist about it. Feel in your body and see what feels right to you. Think in your mind and see what's logical and you'll come up with the right answer for you. Okay, and it may change at different times in your life, too. But it says here, that's why Levine thinks it's also important for therapists to teach tools and exercises that may help you feel safe on your own, too. So keeping the above in mind, it just talks about here are some traumatic therapy somatic therapy exercises, and we will get into those in just a moment, okay? So should you do it on your own? Yes, but proceed with caution. And if possible, if you're brand spanking new to any all of this therapy, If you can, if you can, talk to an expert first and then go from there. Somebody who knows about trauma healing and especially somatic work, okay? So I want to clarify here that these these therapies and these ideas are coming from these articles. These are not just my ideas. And so I wanted to take you through five different somatic practices that I hope will help you to be able to start doing some of this somatic work on your own. And I encourage you to also do research on each of these, discern, pray about it, as always. I don't see that there's any issues here with Christians doing any of these. That's my opinion. I don't think there's any issues here. I don't think there's a lot of controversy among Christians that somatic healing is an okay practice to do. There might be some, but I would say that maybe that's like people that are really, really, really strict. But most people would have no problem with somatic work. It's body work. It's body awareness. That's all it is. So just be sure I will clarify what each one does, how it helps you release trauma from the body, and based on an indirect approach to healing the body instead of tackling the original source of the trauma. That's all somatic therapy is. Okay, so the five that I'll go over are body sensation awareness, also known as body or somatic awareness, grounding and centering, resourcing, also known as visualization. At least visualization here is a form of resourcing, self-regulation, and titration and pendulation. Some people make those two things and some people combine them. Here, I'm going to combine them. 
So let's jump right into the five somatic practices that we were going to go over. The first one was body sensation awareness, also known as body or somatic awareness. And this one is basically recognizing bodily sensations, recognizing bodily sensations and being aware of that at specific times, like when the fight or flight comes up, like when you feel panic or anxious. It's not about being overly aware of those sensations where they consume you. It's about being able to step back, but feel at the same time. So it's about being able to step back, but feel at the same time. So... Let's look so let's look at recognizing bodily sensations in the Healthline article. This article basically talks about the basics of how to do it. So let's start there. It says when you enter therapy, or I would say when you're doing it on your own, you'll start by learning more and more about your autonomic nervous system and the part it plays in your trauma response. This knowledge helps people who feel confused about their response during a traumatic event or believe they shouldn't have reacted differently. From there, your therapist will help you begin increasing your awareness of bodily sensations and physical symptoms. And so it's just becoming more aware of bodily sensations and physical symptoms. So one form of bodily sensation awareness is called the body scan. And you may have heard of body scans before. You may have even done them, but I just wanted to go over that as an example of that. So I'm reading some instructions in the Psych Central article on how to do a body scan. So if it's helpful, you might come back to this later on and you might follow these instructions as you go through the process if you're new to it. Another thing you can do is to do grounding work and body scans on YouTube. There's all kinds of meditations and all kinds of guides there. So that can be helpful as well. And if you Google it, you'll find all kinds of stuff with body scans. But a body scan is basically an active meditation and it helps you relax. And all you do is you go through different parts of your body and you're aware of the sensations of each part of your body. And you say, this is this is my head. I feel my head. My head is real. And you just declare it very calmly, very directly. And you feel in your head that you're seeing outside, like you're from the inside looking out in your head. And then you are just aware that you're there and that your body is connected and you're connected to your body and you're in it and you can feel it. And you're aware of the sensations like warmth or tingling or just a slight breeze, whatever the case may be. And you do that with every part of your body. This is my left arm. I feel my left arm. My left arm is real. This is my arm. And then feel how your arm feels and feel how it feels to feel from the inside of your arm looking out as you. And that's just, it sounds so simplistic, but it's so powerful because you're aware of what's going on in your body. The other part of it is as you start doing the body scans in a neutral way, you can then start to increase your awareness of your emotions and allow those to come up. When you have traumatic emotions, allow them to very slowly come come up and deal with just a little bit at a time, just a little bit at a time and feel it. And you might be like, okay, I feel burning and tingling and I feel, uh, you know, a falling feeling in my stomach a little bit. And you, then you just feel it. You don't judge it. You just let it be there and you just are aware of it. That's literally all it is. But the Psych Central article talks about how to do a body scan. And here's a little bit about it. It says, here's how to practice body scanning. Start by getting comfortable. 
possibly in a seated position. I like to lie down, and some practitioners will tell you not to, but I, I think it helps me. That's just me. Close your eyes. Focus on your lower body. Notice how your feet feel on the floor. So you want to feel the sensation of, you might do this barefoot. You might want to feel the sensation of the floor against your feet. What does it feel like? Cool. If you have no socks on, do you pull your foot off the floor and your skin peels off of the cool floor just a little bit if it's a hard floor? Do you feel the bristly carpet between your toes? Whatever the case may be, be aware of those little details. And then it says, slowly move your attention to your ankles, knees, thighs, then your pelvis. Identify temperature, pressure, tensions, and any other sensations as you move up your body. So I will try to do a meditation that's a body scan meditation in the near future to find the time. But um, this is just some of the steps that you go through. And then it says, when you feel any tension, take a deep breath. Exhale as you release it. And when you feel the body part relax, you can move on to the next one. I would give it a little second to settle in and just feel that sensation of relaxation and then come back and then go to the next step. Okay. And then when you finish with your lower body, do the same with your upper body. Include some of your internal organs like your stomach, your heart, and your lungs. So when you do a body scan, a lot of practitioners will actually include the vital organs and places that you might not think of like your not just your skin, but your muscles and your stomach and your liver and your intestines and lungs and heart and brain and all of those things. You don't have to do all of that, okay? Start simple and then you can go from there. Always start simple. Finally, it says end by focusing on your neck, head, and face. Start. It, this one has you start from the bottom and work up. I like to start from the top and work down, but I don't think it really matters. I really don't think it matters. But that's a body scan, and that's a little guided practice that you could pause and do a little bit at a time on your own. And as you do it, you'll become better at it and you'll become more aware. So if you don't get the results you expect the first time, that's perfectly normal. Keep trying. Don't give up. Start with just a little bit. If you feel just a little bit of progress, maybe you feel connected to your hand and you've never felt that before. That's amazing. And the next time you feel it in both of your arms and you're like, wow. And then you get the idea and you start to feel whole and complete and real in your whole body. And then maybe from there, you can start to bring up some of that trauma just a little bit at a time. Start with something small and just let that come up and feel that body sensation and let it pass through your body. You don't give in to that feeling. You don't express it fully, but you just feel it without judgment. And that's what you do to take the body sensation awareness and use it as a practice to help you relieve and release trauma. Okay? So that's the first practice. The, that was body sensation awareness. The second practice is grounding and centering. The second practice is grounding and centering. And grounding and centering, I debated here about whether or not these were the same as body sensation awareness. And I'm still not totally sure because grounding, um, body scan to me is a form of grounding. But there are a lot of different kinds of grounding. So let's look at Psych Central. Um, to find out a little bit more about grounding. And this is one of my favorites as well. And Psych Central has a list of a few practices you can do to ground yourself realistically back in your body. And what I love about these practices is that they're very simple, 
practices. You can do them anywhere, anytime. So let's look at grounding. It says grounding exercises help you center and anchor yourself in the present moment. Notice that this is always about the present moment, about feeling and accepting things as they are, not living in the past, not ruminating about the future, not worrying about anything in the past or the future, but being in the here and now, accepting it, being fully aware. It's mindfulness. That's all it is. It's mindfulness. But it says here, this could help you take your mind off past events that are causing you distress. Grounding may be particularly helpful if you're experiencing flashbacks, anxiety, and disassociation symptoms. In other words, disconnecting from reality, which is why we need to ground and come back into our bodies and feel our bodies. It's just the opposite of disconnecting and disassociation and numbing. It's coming back into ourselves. It's being real. It's feeling. It's being aware and present in our bodies in the here and now. Here are a few grounding techniques to try at home, it says. First, run water over your hands. Start by running cold water over your hands. Focus on how the temperature feels on each part of your hand, from your wrists to your nails. Switch to warm water and focus on how the sensation of your hands changes. Do this for a few minutes until you calm down. So another one that you could do is to splash cold water or warm water on your face. I've heard that one also helps. That's also a polyvagal exercise. And so put um, run water over your hands, splash it on your face. That helps you to calm down. It grounds you. It puts you back in your body and helps you to be more connected to your body, more aware of the here and now. And it takes you out of that fight or flight response, which is the point, right? So the next one is move your body in ways that feel comfortable to you. This can include jumping up and down, dancing, jogging in place, or stretching. As you move, focus on how your body feels. You can do this with a body scan. Start with your toes and go all the way up your face at one part of the body at a time. You see why I connected this to the previous one? But I wanted this to have its own category. So the next one is focus on your breathing while you control how you inhale and exhale. Focus on your breathing while you control how you inhale and exhale. Just taking a deep breath can be helpful. And in the future, I also want to do some breathing meditations and I will provide those as soon as they're available, okay? Some of them I will put in the store that I'm going to create, and other ones I will put free on YouTube, all right? So it says you can start by inhaling to the count of four. Holding your breath for three seconds. I do two. And then exhaling for another count of four. You could also repeat what you consider a happy word after each inhalation. For example, safe, peace, easy, gone, depending on the situation. I love the word peace. I love the word safety. Um, Jesus, just say Jesus. Remind us of who is here with us all the time. Remind us of why we do everything that we do. Jesus is a great mantra too. So, the breathing exercise, a couple of pointers. Um, I've learned in my trauma healing course that's nine months long that I took through Sounds True. One technique that I learned that was Peter Levine's is you let your breath out longer than you hold it in so that you have a longer exhale. So if it's helpful, you might do a count of six or seven on the exhale and just (sighs) 
like that and do it over and over. No hurry. Don't force it. Let it be relaxed. Let it be natural. Okay. Now, the next one is tense and relax different parts of your body. That makes you aware of your body. It says, for example, press your feet to the ground as hard as you can for a few seconds. Release the pressure and notice how your feet feel now. You can also squeeze the arms of your chair as tightly as you can and then slowly relax and let go. Something that helps me sleep at night, sometimes I get that, you know, that restless leg, sort of antsy, crawly feeling, Yuck. that sometimes you get where you just can't sleep and you feel anxious and keyed up and I don't know what the word is, but you just feel like your skin's crawling. One thing that helps me is I will stretch out my whole body and I'll go, like I'll just yawn and stretch really hard and tense up all my muscles and stretch my body out as much as it can go. And I do that for about 10 or 15 seconds and then I let it go. And I do that three or four ways, different ways, three or four times. And that is so effective in helping me to relax and sleep. So that might be a way you could adapt that one. And then the last one here says play a categories game with yourself. And I actually, it's funny how you may have already come up with some of these ideas on your own. Because if I get, just don't want my mind to wander when I'm going to sleep. And I'm just kind of trying to keep my mind occupied in a neutral way when I'm going to sleep. So I don't ruminate. I'll come up with an, a game to play, like come up with an animal with each letter of the alphabet and I'll go down and the next thing you know, by P or something, I'm asleep because I just phase out. You know, you, you get so concentrated on that, you stop thinking about the thing that worried you. So it's a way to trick your mind and to stop worrying. But this says play a categories game with yourself. Think of different categories of things. For example, dogs, states, or cities. Then begin with a chosen letter. Don't switch to a new one until you've identified at least five objects that start with that letter. And so I've done before, like come up with three animals for each letter of the alphabet. Q and X might be exceptions. But for most of them, you could do something like that. And you get it. It's silly, but it works. It works for a reason. So those are some ways that you can use grounding and centering. And um, another resource that I wanted to go over was for grounding and centering was the positive psychology article. And I'll take you to an example of that, of, of a practice that you can do there as well. This is still grounding and centering. And so here it says people commonly experience a loss of grounding and are thrown off balance because of PTSD. And grounding allows feelings of safety and inner strength to emerge. The grounding and centering exercise here, um, if you go to the Positive Psychology website, the article, and click on that link, and then you go down to grounding and centering, you'll see a list of practices near the bottom. And then you'll, you can click on grounding and centering, and it'll take you to a PDF. And this is where I'm at. Grounding and centering. It says the grounding and centering technique is used within SE by trained therapists to monitor sensations, patterns of actions, and soothing behaviors experienced in client, clients' bodies. So you, you can do this on your own, though. The aim of the technique is to regulate their body response and avert overriding the nervous system by purposefully concentrating in self-soothing behaviors that the client might already engage in. It can induce comfort in the midst of anxiety. So it says the following technique can help people learn how to soothe themselves and calm the nervous system by drawing upon their own resources. That's what's important here, drawing on your inner resources. People commonly experience the loss of ground and being thrown off balance. This technique allows for feelings of safety and inner strength to emerge. 
Be gentle with yourself, it says. If you find yourself experiencing distress or feeling uncomfortable while doing this exercise, you can always stop and for a few minutes and then let everything settle. Keep in mind that that's true for any of these exercises at any time, okay? Steps. Find a comfortable and quiet space to do this exercise, maybe taking off your shoes if you feel comfortable. Stand up and start by just feeling your feet on the ground, connected to the earth beneath you. In other words, feel that weight, feel that connection, feel that pressure of your feet against the ground and let it be comforting. Number three, draw your attention to the springiness and stiff sensations in your legs. Number four, you may want to imagine if you were a tree rooted with your feet in the earth and legs strongly connected. I've done a grounding exercise where it's like I'm a tree and I'm grounded in the earth, but I'm also connected to the sky. So you're both grounded, but you're also reaching up to the future into the outside world. And um, that's been a good grounding one for me. And then start shifting your weight, number five. Start shifting your weight from one side to the other, swaying gently like a tree in the breeze. Number six, shift your weight from front to back, same way. Number seven, as you shift your weight, bring awareness to your center of gravity located in the upper pelvic area and below the navel. One thing that I also do in my practice is I do yoga I'm not saying you have to do yoga, but one thing that I find helpful when I'm doing a balancing exercise is feel the middle of your feet, feel the arches, and feel those connected to the ground, to the earth, and that will help you to also find your center of balance, okay? Number eight, bring your hands on top of your lower belly and feel your center. Number nine, continue to sway from side to side and front to back while keeping keeping the hands on top of your lower belly. And that is from Healing Trauma um, by Peter Levine. And then, so that is a little bit about the second practice. And the second practice was grounding and centering. And those were two exercises that can help you with that. Now, the third practice is resourcing. Resourcing, also known as, it can be visualization. You can do resourcing without visualization, and you can do visualization that's not resourcing. But there are a lot of overlaps between these two. So I wanted to look at the resourcing section in the integrative, the integrative website article and give you a practice that you can do to help you resource. First of all, you may be wondering, what is, you know, what is resourcing? And that's a very good question. So let's look at it. Resourcing is, it says here in the integrative psychology website, resourcing refers to the way we strengthen our sense of stability and safety in the world. In session, before beginning deeper work, we identify the resource you may have. Often we look at significant people, relationships, ego strengths, experiences, times and places that strengthen a sense of safety and choice. So that might be a good meditation to do as well. It might be meditating on the Word of God. It might be meditating on Jesus. It might be thinking about a positive or a safe memory. Maybe when you you spent the day with your grandmother, or it might be the first date you had with the person that you love, or it could be, um, you know, an old pet that you had that you, you um, felt completely safe with. It doesn't matter. But something where there was pure love and pure safety that comes to mind. And of course, like I said, Jesus and spending time with God can also be resourcing. Those are the best resources we have, right? 
And it says here, sometimes this practice is coming up with a, quote, secure space, which can be real or imaginary. So you could actually come up with an ideal space, or it could be something from your past or from a memory that you want to recall. And you can go back there anytime you want, anytime you want. And then it says here, where we expand on a space that gives you a feeling of peace, ease, and calm. We also resource, quote, protective figures like Christ, God, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, right? Wise figures, like maybe your grandmother or even a pet. They can have wisdom, right? Nurturing figures and bringing to mind individuals who give you a sense of strength, empowerment, and trust. And from there, we may ask your body, for example, how does it feel to be in your skin when you bring up the image of those people who are protective figures in your life? We, quote, download the sensations, thoughts, and feelings associated with feel-good experiences so the mind plus the body can come back to these resources later when trauma or anxiety work gets tiring. The resourcing provides an anchor to replenish energies. I've used the word anchor to describe Christ and that Most meditations have some kind of anchor, and so I'll always use Christ or God or the Holy Spirit as an anchor to a meditation, even if the whole practice isn't just focused on that, if that makes sense. So always picture God or Christ as your anchor, if that works for you, and then you can also consider these other resources with that always in the background or that always at the forefront of your meditation or your resourcing. Okay, so that's resourcing. So it's basically recalling moments of safety, People or entities who have provided a sense of safety, security, and love. Memories, imaginary places and experiences. Now, I don't want you to get caught up in a complete fantasy world, but creating a world that's fictional, that you feel safe in, as long as you know you're real in that place, is okay. The key word, though, is to be real, to stay in the real world of your mind based on where reality is, if that makes sense. So that's resourcing a little bit about it, and you can do that a visualization anytime you want. Again, there are a lot of great meditations out there where it'll they'll create a world for you if that's just not your thing, and you can find those as well. Also, look up resourcing for trauma healing, and you'll get all kinds of great tools and resources. Just use your discretion and use you know discernment and pray about that as always. Okay, so that's resourcing. That's the third one. The fourth one is self-regulation. The fourth one is self-regulation. And so um, some practices with self-regulation and what it is. Just a little bit about self-regulation. A lot of that involves sort of like giving yourself a hug or a heart-face connection, like maybe putting your hands in your you're putting your hands on your face. Whatever kind of physical touches you find comforting and soothing. So it might be self-touch, self-hug, heart-face connection. Self-regulation is basically, like I said, using your own tools physically to connect yourself with the world around you, to ground, to feel more comfortable, to feel safer. And so let's look at the Psych Central article on self-regulation. 
Self-regulation is the emotional self-regulation about guiding yourself through your emotions so you can shift gears when they're leading you to feel distressed. With somatic therapy, self-regulation is about the nervous system. Unresolved trauma may lead to dysregulation of the autonomous, autonomous nervous system. This may mean you're on high alert all the time. In turn, you might react to every stress and event in a way that's connected to your past trauma. And that's what we're trying to heal from, right? It says, according to the somatic experiencing approach, talk therapy may not always be able to access this complex body process. Instead, working with your physical senses could lead you to release and shift these patterns. You can try some of these easy at-home techniques to help you self-regulate. One, hug yourself. I know it sounds corny, but it actually does work. And it, I, what I found is my own words had not, didn't have a lot of power. Like, I would say something, but I didn't believe it because it came from me because I was taught that my feelings, my emotions, and what I said didn't matter. If you were around a lot of narcissistic people, a lot of people that abused, neglected, or mistreated you, then you won't believe that what you say means anything. But the more you listen to God's word about who you are in Christ, the more you love yourself, the more you do inner child work, the more you value yourself, the more power your own words will have. And when you hug yourself, it will feel like somebody else hugging you, but it's you. Does that make sense? So it says to do this, cross your right arm over your chest, placing your hand near your heart. Then cross your left arm, placing your left hand over your right shoulder. According to Levine, this can make you feel contained, which can, which can make you feel safe. Hold the hug as long as you need. A couple of tricks here. Get in the position of hugging yourself that feels comfortable for you, but that's a start. The other thing is gently squeezing your arms can help you feel the hug more. And um, so that can be helpful as too. And if you have a person that you completely trust, that's completely kind and completely loving, you might even just get a hug from them or give them a hug when they need it. And that can be therapeutic too. The second self-regulation technique is with your hand in a cupping position, tap your body all over from your feet to your head. You can also try squeezing different parts of your body like your arms instead of tapping them. This will help you with grounding, but also help your body recognize your boundaries. In other words, this is me. I'm real. I'm here. I am a an agent. I have agency. I am a real human being. I matter. I exist. Just saying things like that is incredibly powerful when you've been taught you don't exist, when you've disembodied from yourself because that's the only way you could be safe. These exercises can actually make you get emotional too. And that's okay because you're releasing that stress from your body and your body is reconnecting with itself. It could be emotional and that's okay. That's okay. That's part of the process. But it says this will help you with grounding, but also help your body to recognize your boundaries, which can also give you a sense of being contained and safe. And I would also just say connected and real. When you're disembodied, you don't feel real. You don't feel like you're you. You feel like you're in a dream and you're kind of floating from the outside of your body. When you come back to yourself, you start to feel like you're real in your body and everything starts to come alive, like you're in living color. It's almost like being underwater your whole life and then you come up out of the water and for the first time you can see clearly, you can hear clearly, you can feel clearly. Everything is so crystal clear and just like, wow, you know? 
I, I mean, it's one of those things where it's hard for me to explain it in words, but you probably understand what I'm saying if you've had any significant trauma. So that's self-regulation. And there was one more um, article I wanted to get a little idea from, Integrative Psychology website. And this is resourcing. I'm sorry, this is regulation, self-regulation. Now here it's got co-regulation and self-regulation, so I'll just read this whole section. It says, co-regulation refers to the way we calm ourselves down when we are connecting to someone else. Ignore my cat, she's walking by. In attachment-focused therapies, the therapist uses him or herself to use mirror neurons to help the stressed or disconnected client calm down. When we are connected to another person's sense of warmth, care, and stability, we are able to better regulate our emotions. So coming from co-regulation is self-regulation. It says self-regulation is when we develop our own tools to calm ourselves down on our own. We all need a combination of both. Soothing soothing we get from others as well as our abilities to self-regulate when needed. Self-regulation tools are taught to help you move through big emotions and co-regulation techniques are used as well in the therapy room as well as teaching you how to utilize close relationships to help you regulate. Regulating is calming down, coming back to that middle area where you're aware and alert and connected, what all these exercises are about, basically. And then it says, emotional regulation is also a vital ingredient in parenting because we teach our children how to regulate by how we help them regulate. And in turn, they learn how to self-regulate based on co-regulation they got from the parent-child bond. So do you understand why you might not know how to do this if you were not raised to know how to do it? There's no way you can know how to do something nobody taught you how to do. And that might not be your parents' fault. But nevertheless, this is something you can parent yourself in and learn yourself and then pass on to your children if you have children. It says living a regulated life is one of the biggest accomplishments because when we are self-regulated, we are able to live more deeply, love more fully, and experience the sweetness of daily pleasures, of daily life, that full in-living color that we talk about. And some of us who were raised in some of the stricter denominations of churches have actually been taught that pleasure equals sin and displeasure and unpleasantness equals a good relationship with God. I'm just going to say it. I think that's pure hogwash. I think that's BS. I do think that there are parts of our Christian walk that are unpleasant. I think there are going to be times we have to do things our flesh isn't going to want to do to obey God. And I do believe that that's part of the Christian walk. Suffering is part of of, of of life, and it's also part of the Christian journey. But that's not all there is. I believe that God gave us life full and gave it to us in abundance. And what he means by that is just experiencing the fullness of life, experiencing the joy of sensations of just living in the moment. I don't mean like drinking and smoking and all that stuff. I'm talking about just the beauty of the sky and the birds singing and feeling in your body and just the joy of daily life, of, of connecting with people, of loving people, of loving yourself, of loving God. You know, that's it's just... An amazing experience when you heal. Okay. So the last one is titration and pendulation. Now this one is a little more advanced. And so it should be done when you've become more familiar with some other simple somatic exercises. 
um, and you've been practicing them for a little while. So do titration and pendulation after you've got some experience with some of the more basic somatic therapies. Since those will lay a foundation for these, which are a little more involved, okay? So I want to just tell you a little bit about, you might be like, those are big words. What do they mean? And that's that's a good question. So let's look at the... Um, Let's look at the Healthline article first. Let's look at the Healthline article. So what is titration and pendulation? Titration. It says, once you've got resourcing down, which we've talked about, your therapist will begin slowly revisiting the trauma and related sensations. This is called titration. It's a gradual process that allows you to come to terms with and integrate each aspect of the event as you feel ready to do so. It slows down the trauma to allow you to handle it. If you did this on your own, you need to start slow, start carefully, lay a foundation with some of these other practices first. If you can do it with a therapist, start there. If you can't or you need to do it on your own, then you might start by doing meditation or journaling. Those are two practices that you can do titration. It says, as you begin slowly revisiting the trauma, your therapist will track your responses and the bodily sensations the trauma brings up. So you would need to track that yourself. Writing it down can be helpful writing it down. You might do a meditation combined with a journal and do a meditation based on a specific experience. Very, just, just a little bit at a time and then write down your experience. And then it says they do this both by watching your response, which might involve breathing changes, clenched hands, or shift in tone of voice. They'll also check with you about anything you feel that you might not see, such as hot or cold sensations, a sense of weightiness, dizziness, or numbness. So pay attention to the sensations in your body. As you become more comfortable with that and more experienced with that, being able to identify those and connect with those, then titration will become easier and you can do that either through meditation and or journaling or other techniques. Keep in mind there are also meditations on YouTube and on Google that can help you as well. Now, pendulation. Pendulation. In somatic therapy, these sensations, along with things like crying, shaking, or shivering, are considered to be a discharge of the energy trapped in the body. That's literally your body releasing trauma. It says your therapist might also help you specific use specific breathing or relaxation techniques to help you process and release the trauma. When this release happens, your therapist will help you move from this aroused state to a calmer one using resourcing and other techniques. Eventually, the swinging back to a calmer state will feel more natural. So that's why it's called pendulation. It swings back and forth, swings back and forth. And Another article that talks about titration and pendulation is the integrative psychology approach, and it says trauma, panic, fear, terror, anger, frustration, and depression all express via sensations in the body. So when you start to be able to see, see and feel those subtle differences in your body, getting comfortable with that first and then dealing with specific traumas is helpful. And it says we can feel overheated, trapped, frozen, disconnected, or completely lost. You might be holding your breath and not realizing you just need to loosen up the center part of your body, relax the back of your neck, and just take a deep breath like this. 
but it says those kinds of experiences and emotions won't move when you dive into them head first as you run the risk of flooding yourself and re-traumatizing your body and mind. It says when we approach healing from a centered place, we do so with appropriate pacing and tracking so that the body can tolerate the discomfort. In other words, a little bit at a time. Don't take on the whole mountain Take on a couple of rocks on the mountain and you'll start to see it chip away at separate times over time. And it says, and properly release the emotions needing to be released. Two common words used regarding pacing and tracking are titration and pendulation. Titration is a process in which we experience small levels of distress at a time with the focus being on to release or discharge the tension from the body. Pendulation is what is used to achieve titration as pendulation is when you pendulate your focus between stressful content and something completely non-stress related, calming, soothing content. You may do this by focusing on a stressful sensation that comes up when you begin processing something important. You then slowly oscillate to a resource such as trust you have in a relationship in your life or a belief that is reassuring to you. Oscillating through the two helps the body slowly tap into the tap into and then release at a balanced pace so it's not overwhelming. So how do you do titration and pendulation? That's a good question. So I would go go to the positive psycho um, psychology article, and if you go to where it says titration and pendulation, there's actually some videos by Peter Levine where he actually shows you how to do it. He can explain this a lot better than I can. So you just go to the positive psychology article in the show notes, scroll down, you'll see some videos um, with an elderly gentleman. That's Mr. Peter Levine. Dr. Levine is an expert. And just follow those videos and they can help you to actually put this into practice if you're not sure how. Okay, so that's another resource that can help you. So that is the five techniques of somatic therapy. There are a lot more. These are just five I picked out, five that I saw the most commonly in the different articles I was reading, and they were body sensation awareness, grounding and centering, resourcing, self-regulation, and titration and pendulation. So resources that can help you, I will put those in the show notes instead of going over them here. But in the article on positive psychology, there are resources at the bottom of that article that can get you started. Those are not the only ones by any means. And I'll also include some resources there that can help you find what you're looking for, okay? But some of the big names, I will list those really quickly. The resources from the Positive Psychology article at the bottom are helpful. Peter Levine, front and center of this work. Bessel van der Kolk, I've mentioned his work. Also, uh, Deb Dana's work on polyvagal exercises are similar to somatic work. Peter Levine's work on healing trauma and on somatic experiencing are helpful. And another one that you might check out who's newer in the, well, he's not newer in the field, but I've only seen him recently, but he's got some good stuff, is Dr. Albert Wong. That's Dr. Albert Albert Wong, W-O-N-G. And he's developed a reputation in the field and has some good courses. And there's a lot of other good ones, too. too. If you Google somatic healing for trauma and maybe courses, you'll get a lot of good resources. As always, I can't um, I can't curate them all. So just look. Use 
you know, your discernment, especially ones that you see a lot, and go past the ads. Don't look at the ads. Go past the ads and look at the articles that are not ads. That's another thing to help you with that. Okay, so that wraps it up for this episode. And this episode was Season 2, Episode 15, Somatic Practices for Healing Trauma, Part 1. Practices you can do on your own. Practices you can do on your own. So next week, we will be doing practices you can do with a professional that are somatic. Somatic practices you can do with a professional. And we'll do that for the next um, episode of the podcast and also part two of the series. And it's been a pleasure going through this with you. Thank you so much for bearing with me through this long one because there's just so much to learn. And there are so many wonderful resources. I hope these resources will help you. These are a gift from God. Thank God we live in a time where there's breakthroughs like this in trauma healing so that we can live the life that God intended us to live. It's such a blessing. And it's such a blessing to to be able to you know, teach this stuff to you too. And so keep in mind that um, if you haven't, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast, Christian Emotional Recovery. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, also called Christian Emotional Recovery. There are links in the show notes below. Also, check out the um, check out the Facebook group, Trauma Survivors Unite Christian Emotional Recovery. Keep in mind the YouTube channel has content you cannot get in the podcast or anywhere else. And I try to release an episode there about every two weeks as well. And also keep in mind, check out the webpage christianemotionalrecovery.com for some other good stuff. christianemotionalrecovery.com. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you. I hope that this work is helping you and I hope you're healing. Remember you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You can heal and God loves you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Christian Emotional Recovery hosted by Rachel Leroy. For links to this week's resources and to join the discussion, check out this episode's show notes at christianemotionalrecovery.com, where you can also find links to our YouTube channel and Facebook group. Join our email list and get other episodes and resources. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate and review the podcast and tell a friend who may benefit from this message. See you next time. And remember, beloveds, God loves you, and you are fearfully and wonderfully made.